Every entrepreneur has been there. Growing pains leads to growth gains. It's the challenges that cause us to level up. The Company Growth Podcast inspires you to keep going through the pain. I'm your host, Alicia Dominico. Early on was, was was very tough because you would only have a few opportunities and prospects in the, in the pipeline that you almost rely on so much. And once you said no, then you're like, okay, well, now we're back to square one. Meet Boyd Reed, co-founder and CEO of Hop In Tech. Boyd's going to explain exactly what Hop In Tech does. I'm the co-founder and COO of Hopin Microtrend Technologies, or just Hopin Tech for short. What we do is we work with companies to help get their employees to and from work. How we do this is with a logistics software that we develop that mobilizes different transportation options, such as rideshare and charter bus companies, to operate and fill the gaps that are left by public transit. So we help companies retain more talent and access larger hiring pools by improving accessibility to the workplace. For the past year and more, the pandemic has been the elephant in the room when you talk to business leaders. But it was a particularly difficult challenge for companies with a business model that involves the public. I asked Boyd how a transportation company reacts to a global pandemic. Yeah, I think like a lot of companies um, around that March time, we went into like triage mode and to try to figure out how do we operate in this time And I think one thing that's very consistent in like startup and entrepreneurship is that you just push through things. You fail fast and learn faster. But in this situation in particular, and people's lives were at risk, we decided, you know, that's probably not the best way to go about this thing. We got to sit back and actually learn. So we took out all the shuttles out of the road that were currently in operation. And we actually just sat back, learned, talked to a lot of people. Um, obviously, no one had the answers around like March and April, but people at least can make best guesses based on information that they were able to get. And from there, that's what we were trying to do as well. So instead of waiting around and trying to figure out every single thing about it and then deciding, we decided to put our, our, our business model on hold and see how can we help out during this time. So we decided to um, do our start a COVID initiative that was aimed towards helping our frontline essential workers. So we raised some money, we're able to do some like over a hundred meal deliveries to frontline staff. We're able to provide over 250 kilometers of free ride and transportation for um, essential workers and frontline staff trying to get into work. and we donated over 25,000 disposable masks. And then once we went through that initiative and we were able to you know, support that way, along with some of our partners, uh, we then had a better understanding of how we can continue business. And actually from on, um, August onward, we've been able to see month over month growth because we changed and pivoted our message in terms of just getting people to work, but getting to people to work safely. So we were a great alternate to public transit. It was almost your own private bubble for your staff in terms of transportation. And it was about getting employees to work safely. And that's where we actually seen growth uh, actually during um, August all the way till now. We've seen month over month growth from that. If there's one thing young job seekers hate, it's an entry-level job opening that requires three years of experience. How do you get experience when you can't get in on the ground level? I asked Boyd how he retains young employees and how he utilizes their strengths. 
yeah, definitely at a university. I got a job that was insanely underqualified for. Um, but the, we had an interview and we just connected um, on the interview process. My boss, when he hired me at that time, he said, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, but we believe in your potential and you think that you can bring a lot to the table. And for us, that's why our, our interview process goes into such depth because we, we look at character and the people who are with us to this day are the younger ones um, because they see themselves in this company. They want to see it grow. And they also see the, 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 the value, especially in like a startup in a small company, the fact that they see everything on the ground level. Um, a lot of, especially, you know, students graduating, looking at corporate jobs, some of them are just like, we don't like that structure, actually. We don't like the fact that we are kind of put into a box and there's only so little we can do. Um, so my advice to, you know, a lot of startups is, is definitely look for some of those those reaching grads because not everybody is going to be like startup passionate per se, um, but the ones that are, they can provide a lot of value. So they, they come in and the metrics that we set for them aren't so much of like, so much around closing deals, but it's handling the top of funnel. If you're reaching out to X amount of people, um, then the funnel should do its job. So if you're putting in the effort, the effort is done at the top of the funnel um, in terms of reach outs and, and, and cold calls and, and those things. And then it will naturally filter down. But if you're not putting in that effort, then it's not, it's not you're not going to do it because you don't have the sales skills to um, compensate for, for lack of effort. So that's where we see a lot of, 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 of success with our young people is that we set the metrics around built around effort um, and then over time you work at ref refining it uh, refining the message putting them into different like sales training courses as well to refine their skills as they grow um, but that's for us you know we're, we're a big proponent of, of, of bringing in uh, young people who are passionate because that's the people who we believe who could potentially stay around for the long term Indeed, it's a shift that employers need to have as we look at an aging workforce and trends in the workforce where there is so much opportunity that it's hard to find good fit talent. But one of the ways that you can be a stronger workforce internally is to look at innovating the way that you recruited in the past. While maybe 10 years ago, being able to demand three years experience and saying no to all those entry-level people was an option, it's not that way anymore where the workforce is so competitive and job opportunities can offer slides and free lunches instead of just your same batch of benefits and compensation packages that you've always offered. Paradigm shift might be required in the way that we recruit. Thinking about the strengths that a young person brings and how coachable they might actually be and how growing up into your workplace could be exactly the kind of experience they're looking for is more of the kind of thinking and innovation employers probably need to adopt in 2021. Being a startup in the 2020s means your business exists in a time of changing traditions, roles and expectations in the workplace. I asked Boyd, what are some of the ways that Hopin Tech operates differently from other companies? What are they trying that's new? Yeah, well, something that we've put into practice is that our sales team have different attributes that they excel at. It's just natural what they do. You know, one of our, um, our sales member, he's not necessarily the most strong on the phone. I don't want to say even necessarily the strongest salesperson. And sales is not even really where he wants to go in terms of long term, but he knows that this is where we need help and hop in. And he wants to be part of the culture and the team. So he knows this is where he can get into the ground level here. So 
he's a very good researcher. He finds information really, really well. Um, and he's able to put together some, um, you know, when he reaches out, put together some very um, targeted information on, on different areas. Um, so with him, you know, being able to find information is super easy because he just has like a, a, a process. We've actually done like little workshops where people excel at things and they just talk about what they're successful at. So after having those little workshops, we realize, okay, well, if someone's really good at doing the research end, right, and someone's really good on the phone, pairing them together is great because if you have someone that does um, emails or LinkedIn messages, right, and you follow up with somebody who's good on the phone, you know who you're targeting, you know the name of the person. So instead of being like, hey, can I speak to the HR department? You're saying, oh, can I speak with Sam Smith, right? Um, so what we're doing is, is looking at pods and seeing, you know, where people are excelling, uh, excelling at and matching them with kind of their opposites. But at the same time, we are not settling and being like, okay, you're not going on the phone, never jump on the phone. We still want them to practice and get into that. That's just in terms of their workload, it's the smaller part of their workload. Um, so that's kind of what we're working on like with pods. Um, and the goal with that is that as we hire, we'll be hiring kind of in groups of people and like kind of matching people based on their abilities. And the goal is that instead of sprawling out too much like where you like you know you take this area you take this area it's like as a collective you take these areas and tackle areas a lot more um from a multiple approach instead of just being like oh i send them a linkedin message to one company let me move on to the next one it's like i send a linkedin email and follow up with a phone call all within within um you know small amount of time so we're seeing that it's just being more um, intentional about targeting companies and we've seen you know early results again it's still it's still early but we've seen some early results with having that that multiple approach uh, methodology through the pods has been um you know promising well i mean i think sales has become a dirty word in canada for so long we're, we're claiming it a little bit but it's been such a dirty word for so long people want to buy stuff they just don't like being asked to buy stuff that isn't a good fit and being you know bugged when it's clear they've said no and people aren't listening but then the other piece of sales that i think has been dirty is the fact that it's so cutthroat with your own team members and people want to belong at work they want to feel part of the community so if you're letting them co-sell together not only does that work with an account-based marketing strategy that most people are employing to reach targeted accounts now is that ABM stuff that you hear about all the time. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that it, it is actually just a little bit nicer to be able to sell together instead of feeling like, oh, I got to hit quota. I got to I got to be cutthroat. I got to like do my own thing and not share information. It just doesn't breed good culture. Mm -hmm. um, so it's really cool to see you guys doing that. And also you're farming, right? Like as you're growing, you're farming your own talent. You're 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 raising them up mm -hmm. to really understand what it works to sell, um, so that they can be senior leaders for you in the future. Which I think is super mm -hmm. smart. Let's um, let's talk about rejection. Uh, one of the things that you face when you're just learning how to sell and what's going to work for your organization and your position yourself in the market is that you've got to hear no and you've got to be okay with no. Um, because that helps you find your yes. Matthew McConaughey's book, Green Lights, talks about that, right? You get these red lights, but what comes after if you're patient? Or, you know, you can look at Napoleon Hill where he talks about think and grow rich, where it's like, you know, don't stop chasing that goal when you're three feet from gold and you stop digging. So let's talk about how you guys have navigated rejection to still be like, no, no, we're still here. We have an important mandate and we're not going away just because that wasn't a good fit for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that, the, the no... Uh early on was, was, was very tough because you would only have a few opportunities and prospects in the, in the pipeline that you almost rely on so much. And once they said no, then you're like, okay, well, now we're back to square one. Um, and one of the things that we have built towards 
is understanding where those no's are coming from, um, per se. Is it, again, referring back to that ego thing. If you throw away your ego and you listen to what people are saying, then the no is very big indication of like what you can do in the, in the future to be able to improve um, on that sale process. So sometimes it's really a no because it's not good fit. You know, the company's too small. They are located near really good transit lines, you know, or they have a high driving population. Right. Um, and all those no's are completely reasonable. They're not saying no because of something that's unreasonable. It makes sense. Right. So, so, okay. So if that's the case, then maybe it's a situation of who we're targeting. Right. So like maybe we look at who we're targeting. Um, and if it's a no based on, you know, maybe the situation that we're in, especially with COVID, a lot of companies are just focusing on surviving around this time and not looking to implement new programs, then okay, so that's a no for that, but it's not a strong no. Maybe that's something that we can then put down in the funnel and check back in in, in maybe like five months and see where they stand at, right? Because if we identified and um, qualified them for some of the needs that they're having, right? But they're just not, maybe it's not, not it's a no, but it's maybe it's more of a not now, that's something as well. So understanding what no's are is, is something that was, you know, definitely something that we didn't understand in the beginning that we've learned through it. Um, so when you qualify, you almost have to qualify what a no is. Um, and, you know, every no stings a little bit. You always get excited about potential opportunity and, you know, when they say no, it stings a little bit, but qualifying what that no is, is it a not now? Is it that they're not big enough? Is it that they don't have the budget? Is it they just don't believe in what you're saying or you just weren't able to point the, 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 paint the value out for them, right? Qualifying that no is really, really important because it looked, then you're able to take back and reflect on it. And the idea where people say you learn from your mistakes, you only learn from your mistakes if you understand why that mistake was made or where the mistake was. If you just make a mistake and you're like, okay, well, I messed up but you don't understand why you don't dive in any deeper than that, you will make that mistake again because you don't know how you made that mistake. Um, so qualifying the no is really important and that's how we learn to navigate through it because every no provides a bit of information that we can learn and grow from. But I think from the early, early days of, of Hopin, one of the things that we got in a mindset of, which was extremely incorrect was the idea that we had to kind of hold what we have as a secret. Like if we tell too many people, it will get out and someone will take our idea and run with it. Um, and so we weren't asking for help. We were trying to figure it all out, um, out ourselves. Um, and then what we learned over time is that just that that mindset is, is very wrong. And there's actually tons of people that are out there that just generally want to help you and see you succeed. Like they don't even necessarily need you know, a part of the company, they don't need to be paid hourly. They, you know, if they have some free time, they'll sit down and, and discuss with you. And these are like some very seasoned, um, you know, professionals. Boyd and I had talked about what it means to be a conscientious company and how to give back to the communities we live in. How does a growing company do that when funds are limited? Here's what Boyd had to say about the hop in tech philosophy. Yeah, and, and that's something like for us, you know, we get money everywhere. You know, there's lots of places you can get money. There's a lot of people who are um, willing to share money, um, whether it's investing or grants or whatever it may be. But 
for us, it was really important that our investors believe in our vision. Uh, we actually turned down different investment opportunities because we just didn't feel like they were someone who really believed in what we were trying to do. They saw an opportunity to make money and that's flattering too because that they believe in our business model. But at the same time, it, what's really important for us is someone that can really support what we're trying to build here. And you know, you mentioned you know the startup scene with, with a lot of companies. It's also easy as a startup company to be like, you know what, we're small, we're not going to make impacts, you know, we don't have a lot of money, we need to focus on, you know, just building and growing. And then when we get to scale, then we can help people. Um, but a, a lot of our mentors were saying, you know, there's nothing necessarily wrong with that that, uh, that thinking, but if integrated into your day-to-day from day one, instead of figuring it out later, it's already part of it. So as your company grows and you get more money, instead of figuring out how you can help the community, you've already been doing it from day one. So the impact actually just grows along with the company. And, you know, the, in essence, there's no excuse if you really are passionate about something, you can actually make it get done. Even if you're just helping one person, as you scale, maybe help two, as you scale, maybe up 10, and then and so on and so forth. So not worrying so much about the actual impact in terms of the numbers of people, but just the fact that you are making impact is where the, the focus should be. Hop in Tech faced challenges like the pandemic, limited funding, and a competitive industry and came out stronger than ever before. So I asked Boyd, what was the biggest piece of advice he would give to entrepreneurs just starting out on their own company growth journey? A lot that's out there, but you just have to ask questions and you have to ask for help. You know, one of my mentors, something that I always um, hold very dear to me is he said, you know, you got to swallow your ego um, and listen to the market and just listen to people. Um, and once you're able to swallow your ego and just ask for help when you know you need it, um, there's people like a few of our mentors at Space, DMZ, Spark Center, all over the place that are willing to help out um, just if you ask. And that's all it takes. Um, so the advice that I have for a lot of people, especially, you know, starting out their business is ask people, you know, if you're, if you're struggling with something, talk about it. Um, and like you mentioned, it's not all glamour. It's not all great. Startup life isn't all just making, you know amazing businesses going to the uh, selling the business are going to IPO. There's a lot of work that goes in between it and there's no way you can understand every single thing about business. So um, one of the things that help in terms of a lot of the stress and the pressure that comes to the businesses is getting advice. So the things that people previously tripped up on are things that people have learned. You get that fast track to it. Um, instead of having to, in a sense, you know, fail fast and learn faster, you're already learning from people who've already experienced it. It's been so good to have you on the show, Boyd. Yeah, it's been my pleasure. This is a great conversation. To learn more about Hopin Tech, visit hopintech.com. That's H-O-P-I-N-T-E-C-H.com. Find more episodes of the Company Growth Podcast on YouTube or at anchor.fm slash company growth podcast or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you've got a company growth story you'd like to share, reach out to Tangible Words. We'd love to hear your story and use it to inspire others to beat their own company growing pain. Until next time, thank you for listening to the Company Growth Podcast.